I've been praying for the non-believers. All my neighbors thinking I will leave her. Awful eager to vote for all deceivers. They don't care what the creator prefers. They don't believe in walking up to Peter. They don't believe in God, Jesus either. Go from breeders and the instant reapers. Listen to the tweeters, the twisted leaders, misdemeanors. Then you go for felonies. Longer I've been, the more it looks like hell to me. Nobody helping me. Hello and welcome to Be Vigilant. I'm your host today, Becky Dean. Matt is gone. He's doing something else. So I thought I would take it upon myself to do a whole show. So hopefully I have enough information here to kill 27 minutes and 45 seconds. I mean, I know in my own head I have thousands of hours of information, but I need for it to make sense for you guys to want to sit through it. So today we'll just do the 27 minutes and 45 seconds. Um, our show today is brought to you by Beth Kohler, who happens to be my sister-in-law. And let me tell you what a privilege and an honor it is to have family members support this journey that Matt and I decided to, well, we were kind of pushed into it, but we were excited to take it on. Um, it really does make a difference when your friends and family, especially family, support your ventures and Usually when I tell people, you know, I have a radio show, they're like, oh, and change the subject or a podcast, you know, because anybody can have a podcast. And I've sat through a few. I don't listen to many, but I've sat through some that can get pretty boring pretty quickly. And then I just change what I'm listening to, which is probably what you all are about to do right now till I get moving. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I just want to let Beth know that we really appreciate her sponsorship of this show. And today I'm going to talk about something that is plaguing our nation, has plagued my family actually for a long time. Um, but first I'm going to start off by reading a verse from Matthew, and it's Matthew 9.35, KJV, if you guys are wondering what we read out of. And it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So that's just kind of preface what we're talking about today. And I'll point out, we will be talking about healing sicknesses and diseases. But what has brought this to my attention lately is when you're in a recovery program, you see some things and this may get me in trouble. I'm not going to use any names or anything like that. But I have seen, not even just in the recovery program, but just in my dealings with people. You can be prescribed a medicine that is meant to help you and turns out to be an addiction. And I mean... Unless you've been living in the United States with your eyes closed and your ears covered, you know that we have a drug addiction epidemic on our hands. And we have for a very long time, but it goes through phases of what kind of drugs. And so I'm going to be focusing this first part of our show today on benzodiazepines. So if you're wondering what they are, they're called benzos for short. Um, I was... A long time ago, looking through Facebook, this was years ago, um, for support groups for people getting off of antidepressants and stuff. And I found quite a few that were uh, based around, they call them benzos. One name of a group was called Benzo Buddies. I thought that was kind of funny. 
Um, nothing funny about needing it, but it is kind of funny. So anyways, the um, let's give you the definition of a benzodiazepine. It's a long, fun name. So it's um, a medicine, and it's any class of uh, heterocyclic organic compounds used as tranquilizers, such as Librium, Valium, Xanax. I know a lot of people have heard of Xanax and Clonopin. And um, the fact that it's called a tranquilizer, that should be your first clue that it's probably not something you want to mess around with. Now, I know there are cases, lots of cases, that these are helpful to people. So I just want to let you know ahead of time, I am not against every medication known to man. That's not that's not what I'm here today. I'm talking about right now the overprescribing of mental health medications. And I see so much of this. There is a, um, a site called addictionhelp.com that I found to be helpful. It's a great place to go if you are wanting to help yourself or help somebody else find addiction recovery and all that. You know, whatever you may need, locate somebody, some facility in your area, go to addictionhelp.com. But they stated here, this uh, article was written by Jessica Miller. In 2019, almost 10,000 deaths were from benzodiazepines. Benzos, we're just going to call them benzos. 10,000 deaths from this medicine that's just supposed to calm your anxiety. But it's a tranquilizer. So, I mean, really, what more do you expect? In the death, the death toll, 10,000 people in one year, that's a lot. And I'm sure it's gone up since then. This was just 2019. But here's a statistic for you. 35% of people who take benzos for more than four weeks will become dependent. So getting to this point, I want to talk about um, addiction versus dependence. So this is also from addictionhelp.com. They just kind of lay this out for us. So addiction and dependence are not the same, but these issues often go hand in hand. Huh, that's funny. That's what they told me about anxiety and depression, that they went hand in hand. And they certainly didn't at first, but that's a whole nother story. Let's examine the difference between addiction and dependence. Drug addiction is a compulsive use of a drug in a cyclical pattern, despite the consequences. So in our recovery program, we like to say that uh, addiction is anything that's bad for you, but you choose to do anyway. So that kind of, and you'll do anything for your addiction, despite the consequences. So anyway, then the user's need for the drug begins to negatively impact social commitments, such as work, school, or family. And third, the user continues drug-seeking behaviors and will seek out the drug by any means necessary. And I think most of us today know that that means they will rob, steal, and kill. And that sounds a, an awful lot like what Satan is here to do, to rob, steal, and kill. Anyway, so that's what drug addiction is, compulsive drug use and doing whatever you can to get your hands on your fix. Or to get well, as they like to say. Now let's move on to drug dependence. Developed tolerance to a drug and its effects. So you take a little bit and you can continue to take that same amount. 
until you kind of feel like you need more and you have to use more. So the user needs more of the drug to achieve the same effect as before. The user may now only take the drug to avoid the adverse side effects of withdrawal. Oh, withdrawal. Yeah, they don't usually, um, at least in my experience, uh, they don't tell you about the withdrawal symptoms when they're handing it to you. They just say, here, take this. It'll make you feel better. And that's the end of it. There's no, oh, by the way, if you'd like to get off of this, uh, here's what's going to happen to your brain. Here's what's going to happen to your body. Here's what's going to happen to your mental well-being altogether. So, yes, there are withdrawals from prescribed legal drugs. I'm just going to leave that at that. So drug dependence will often lead to addiction. But one can also be dependent upon a drug without being addicted. Dependence relates to how the drug interacts with the user's body, whereas addiction relates to how the user's need for the drug begins to impact the user's decision-making and day-to-day life. Both drug addiction and dependence can harm the user's physical and mental health. Numerous side effects can occur depending on the drug being abused, And risk factors vary from person to person depending on the individual use factors. Thankfully, treatment approaches for both dependence and addiction go hand in hand. So here's a little statistic on drug addiction. According to the National Survey of Substance Abuse Treatment Services by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or the SAMHSA, more than 1.4 million Americans sought treatment for drug addiction in 2019 that is a lot of people and that's sad I mean honestly that is sad so what when are people prescribed these kinds of medications well I think most people know that you know you go to uh well you can go to your primary care doctor and say hey I've been anxious about this and they'll hand you some well they may not they'll hand you a prescription for some of these pills um, I, I hope that your primary care doctor will ask you questions about your mental health, the, your past, if you've had any problems with addictions. Um, but there are so many people that are taking these medications. I read, uh, and this isn't funny, but I read a, a quote once where somebody said, Every single girl I know, except for like one, is on antipsychotics or antidepressants. And that one girl that's not is an alcoholic. And I was like, man, that's true. So many people are on antidepressants. And I think um, medical professionals, you know, they're just doing their job. Although maybe not, well, I'm not going to get into that, but... You know, it's normal for people to feel anxiety a little bit and feel depression and have horrible things happen to them. I know a lot of people that get prescribed these after a tragedy, but really all that's doing, and I'm speaking from experience, is prolonging the inevitable. You're going to have to deal with that depression. You're going to, and and it's not, I shouldn't say depression. You're going to have to deal with the sadness at some point in your life. If something bad happens to you and instead of mourning or or dealing with or even talking, you know, counseling where they usually where they where it's actually a talking counseling session, not just going and reviewing your medications. 
that is a good thing. And you have to process these emotions. And what these medications do is not to help you. They, they suppress it. It's a Band-Aid. And, and some few people may need that to make it through, you know, a week or two. And I really don't like endorsing this. I don't endorse this. I endorse medication like this as a last resort. But I know that there are some some cases that require this. And some people don't have a problem giving up these medications when it's time. But very few. I, I don't want to get into my family, but I just, I'll just leave it at this. My grandma probably could have lived another 10 years had it not been for these medications. And we're just going to leave that at that. So that's benzos. That's, uh, you know, they're very common mental health medications that, and so many people are dealing with mental health issues these days. I mean, the rise of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, especially bipolar disorder, you know, I never, never ran into anybody as a younger person, you know, even in my 20s that had a, bi that had a bipolar diagnosis. And now it seems like one out of every five person I talk to um, outside of my circle has a bipolar diagnosis, and I, it just it blows me away. And, and that's a whole other rabbit hole we can go down as to why um, I believe that, that these kinds of things are on the rise, and I think most of you know where I'm going with this vaccines. But um, schizophrenia, that is something that, you know, you only saw in the movies when they'd make a horror movie about people having schizophrenia, and maybe once in a while you would know somebody that had schizophrenia, but it is becoming more and more common. And the treatments for these are almost just as bad as street drugs. I mean, they basically are because when you can't afford or your doctor stops prescribing these medications, that's when you go to the streets to get heroin, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just, from my own experience, I beg you, if you are having some mental health issues, go to a professional counselor, a Christian counselor, if you can, and, and try to get to the root of the problem. First, go to Jesus. Go to your Bible. Start praying. And he may lead you to a professional counselor. But if they want to hand you a sample of pills before the end of your first session with them, I'm going to say that's a red flag. Especially because you can't get to the root of an issue in one session, unless your session is six hours long. Um, but that's what happened to me. I walked in my first appointment. They knew nothing about me, knew nothing about my family history. And I walked out with pills in hand and a prescription for another kind. And that was, you know, there goes, that was the beginning of my 15-year battle. But that's just me. And maybe that's why I'm passionate about this, because it, it was a battle. Um, but... I implore you, if you are seeking help for mental health, get a second opinion before you fill that prescription. Read the side effects. Read the dangers of it. See if you can find natural solutions. Um, I do not endorse marijuana by any sense of the means, but CBD takes the THC out of the equation, so you're not getting that high, but I have heard success stories of people using it to relax their anxiety. Now, I can tell you that I had 
I went to bed and woke up every day for years with the terrible, anxious, you know, I couldn't really sleep. I just had anxiety that it was awful um, until I finally gave it all over to the Lord. And I, I finally fully trusted him to take it from me. That's what did it. Um, and that was after getting off the medications. And anyways, that's a long story. So try Jesus first. Um, try a counselor second and make medication the very last thing you go to, because I bet you a lot of our problems can be talked out in a Christian counseling, biblical way. And there are ways to deal with stuff without popping a pill. If that's where you end up, that's fine. If, if after a lot of prayer, God is leading you in that direction, have at it. But I would look for other ways first. Um, so let's move on to opioids. This is very um, in your face everywhere you go. So let me start out by reading this. Well, first, let me give you the definition of opioids. Get that pulled up right here. Okay, so opioid is a compound resembling opium in addictive properties for psychological effects. What is opium then? Let's find out what opium is. A reddish-brown, heavy-scented, addictive drug prepared from the juice of the opium poppy used as a narcotic and in medicine as a pain reliever. So there you go. That's what an opioid is. Now, the National Center for Disease Con... For... No. <laughs> Get ahead of myself. I'm so used to saying those words together. Um, the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics says almost 50,000 people die every year from an opioid overdose. That, that's a lot of people. 10 million people in America abuse opioids. 72% of overdose deaths have opioids as a factor. That's insanity. 72%. And where you get opioids... Usually it starts out as, innocently enough, going to the doctor. You've hurt yourself. And you go to the doctor for some pain reliever. Now, I don't know if it was in the late 90s or the early 2000s, you heard of things called pill mills where you could say, oh, my back hurts, and the doctor will describe, prescribe you um, oxys. That was the big one that I heard of. Um, I think they did a good job, maybe, of trying to get rid of these pill mills, but there are still doctors out there that their prescription pen never stops writing. And, and innocently enough, you most of the time, innocently enough can go to the doctor with a pain and the, and the doctor will prescribe you Oxycontin, which that just blows my mind. Like there isn't a lower dose of something now back pain. I don't, I don't really have to deal with that. So I'm not going to say it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But when it comes to being addicted to drugs and letting it ruin your life, is it worth it? Isn't there other ways you can go about dealing with the pain? Like I said before, CBD, I've heard great things. Now, it may not be able to take away, you know, back pain that needs surgery and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, yet again, let this be your last line of defense. There are other ways around it. There are, there are natural ways to deal with pain. Like, um, I don't know if I wrote this down, but I did read 
Let me see if I can find it through all my notes here. Probably not. Anyways, aspirin. Maybe I have it in my... Here we go. I found this um, website taking its time. Oh, it's CBN News, so don't get too excited about that. But Nature's Pharmacy, how to use God's creation to heal. So let me just read from here. This is by Lori. They covered up her last name. Lori Johnson. Okay, Lori Johnson wrote this article February 14th of 2022. Alternative medicine is a type of treatment that continues to grow in popularity. Often it includes treatments that aren't new, and some people might even call them ancient. Since its inception, many have called modern medicine a gift from God. Sometimes, however, we look back to the treatments of our ancestors. Dr. Josh Axe, the founder of the most visited natural health website in America, says that equating healing with pharmaceuticals is a relatively new concept. Up until 150 years ago, when somebody used the word medicine, it typically didn't mean a synthetic medicine. It typically meant an herb or a spice, like ginger or frankincense, and all of these things that are referenced in the Bible, that's what was meant by medicine. And then, I was, as I was scrolling through this, I saw he said something about, I want to say a white willow. Hmm. No, I don't want to blow this. Oh, here we go. Take white willow bark. That's where they got the idea for aspirin, he explained. White willow bark helps naturally thin the blood, reduces pain naturally, and is an anti-inflammatory. Well, aspirin is actually taken from that, but these pharmaceutical companies wanted to save money, so they started making it themselves, and that is synthetic. So that's what he means by synthetic. It's copying what nature does. But the thing about this is that nature is made for us. I believe that God gave us all of our healing properties in the earth as long as you don't abuse them. Like, uh, I think that it's okay to, to use CBD oils and stuff to heal your pain and heal your ailments. Do I think you should eat mar marijuana edibles or smoke weed? No, absolutely not. I do not think that at all. But CBD has, cho uh, has shown to affect change in good ways, especially in people, kids with seizures and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there are just so many different ways you can heal your daily kind of ailments. So I think if you really want to get away from these medications, um, this, let's see, let me find the name of this guy's website real quick. It's called, oh, Dr. Axe, that's A-X-E dot com. So if you're interested in um, natural medicines, he's it, he's got a lot of information, even in just this article. So going to his uh, website will probably do you a lot of good. So, and let's talk about diet and exercise. A lot of people, you know, you've got um, high blood pressure or swelling or your gut doesn't feel very good all the time. A lot of that kind of stuff. I think I got off on a side note here because I was still going to talk about fentanyl, <laughs> fentanyl epidemic. But um, anyway, diet and exercise. I'll go back to fentanyl in a minute. Diet and exercise and getting out in the sun and taking your vitamins can stop things before they happen. 
And not that I'm the expert in this because diet and exercise is not something I'm very good at. I'm trying nowadays, especially it's getting uh, nicer out so I can go walk more and I'm trying to eat better and all that kind of stuff. But I really need to rein it in because, you know, diabetes is a real thing and I'd like to get that under control. So let's, sorry about jumping all over the place, but let's get back to fentanyl. Now this is an epidemic all over. There is a, a place called Kensington Avenue in, in Philadelphia, and I'd seen a couple of documentaries about Kensington Avenue, and it's mind-blowing. And there is, I found this guy on Facebook. His name is Vincent Hulla. So you can go on Facebook and look up Vincent.Hulla, H-U-L-L. I think that's a U. Hulu, maybe? Hulu or Hulla. And he just has video after video after video of these people that are walking around like zombies because they're so addicted. There's a new drug out there. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's sad. It's scary, too, because they are just walking around like zombies. And you can watch video after video after video of these people just slumped over, moving, but not really awake. It's just crazy. So that's what I wanted to say about that. So back to diet and exercise. Those are what you should do first. I don't think you should just go blindly to a doctor and he tells you, here, you've got this issue. Take the medicine. Say, okay, doc, thanks. Do your research. Find out if there's any natural remedies and if there's any way you can take care of the problem without taking medication. Because these medications are not made of stuff that's good for you. The side effects alone are, they're just... Well, you can see the commercials, the side effects that they list on the commercials. Why would I take that if death or lymphoma is a side effect? Let me just read this to you from Fierce Pharma by uh, Beth Snyder Book. Pharma ad spending soared to $4.5 billion in 2014, backing branded drugs in levels not seen since the recession, with particular emphasis on blockbusters and wannabes. I don't know what that means. Drug makers poured $3.4 billion into advertising spending on the top 10 drugs, which accounted for 75% of the total spent on all advertising of pharmaceuticals, according to Nielsen data. $3.4 billion on advertising for, for drugs. We are a drug-driven society. It's crazy. And I'm not talking just about your daily stuff, cancer. Now, cancer is something that I don't think you should take lightly, and I don't think you shouldn't treat it. I'm just saying if you maybe have a stage one diagnosis and there's something else you can do besides chemo, I would suggest you looking into it. I'm not saying chemo is the, the devil by any means. My mom had chemo, then she had cancer again, and she's got... She's got uh, side effects from the chemo, which is, you know, thank goodness it saved her life. You just need to weigh, you know, weigh your pros and cons of it. I'm not saying to mess around with chemo. That is dangerous stuff. Lost, lost people to, to cancer, even fighting, even through the chemo and the radiation. But get a second opinion in everything you do. Get a second opinion. And now I've talked myself out of time. <laughs> so I thank you for listening to me ramble. And remember, everybody, be sober and be vigilant. I've been praying for the non-believers. All my-
my neighbors thinking I will leave her. Awful eager to fall for all deceivers. They don't care what the creator prefers. They don't believe in walking up to Peter. They don't believe in God, Jesus either. 